House appropriators are proposing a 3.1% pay raise for civilian federal employees in 2020. That's quite a departure from the president's proposed pay freeze for federal employees next year. The raise is just one of several provisions that are part of a new draft bill from the House Appropriations, Financial Services, and General Government Subcommittee. Federal News Network's Nicola Grisco and Executive Editor Jason Miller join me now with some more of the tidbits they found in this bill. I guess, first of all, some tidbit. I mean, it's a $24.5 billion bill. But let's start with that pay raise. What do we know about it? What are the prospects of this even happening at all? Nicole? So it's a 2.6 across the board pay raise with an additional 0.5% adjusted for locality pay in total that gets you to an average of 3.1% for federal employees. As far as the prospects of this pay raise, it's pretty unclear based on the fact that we don't know what the Senate is thinking. We should say that the Senate version of this subcommittee is now led by Senator John Kennedy, who's a Republican from Louisiana, and federal employees might remember that he was the senator who proposed an amendment rejecting the 1.9 percent pay raise last year. So the prospects of whether or not this will go forward, entirely unclear, but it's a start at least with uh, the House. Recent history, though, is no more than 1% or 1.1%, right, as far back as, I think, 10 years going. Well, actually, I, I that's a good point, and it's a good point to mention because this is actually in line with what members of the military are likely to get. That's what the Senate wants members of the military to get in 2020. It's also in line with the statutory formula that typically sets federal pay in the future, and that's based on the employment cost index. So this 3.1 number isn't really entirely unexpected. Yeah, okay. So there's logic, politics, and other possibilities. Jason? And it's also, Tom, we have to keep in mind that this is the first set of bills that the Democrats, since they've taken control of the House, have really gone and put together. So I think they're it's basically a hat tip, if you will, I think, to their constituents, which many of them are Democrats, though not all of them. Of course, so not all federal employees are Democrats. We know that. But I think that's part of this as well is for them to say, hey, we recognize that you do a good job. You deserve more money, that there is a pay imbalance that most people believe is happening, uh, especially among the the managers and the the people at the highest levels of government. Okay, And also for the general government subcommittee, Jason, they're not so generous around technology modernization funding the TMF, which has been back and forth now for several years. What are they proposing for next year? So for 2020, they're proposing $35 million for the Technology Modernization Fund. That's up from $25 million that the, that the government received in, 20, in, in 2019. But it's also a big drop from 2018 when they got $100 million. And it's a huge drop from the uh, White House's 2020 budget request of $150 million. So I know I just throw a lot of numbers at you there, Tom. But basically, $35 million is the proposal for, for now for 2020. Now, what's interesting is that's not the only place to find money for technology modernization. If you look closer into the budget, there's two other funds that really help support this. One is the Information Technology uh, Oversight and Reform, or ITOR fund, that's within the Office of Management and Budget. And that also actually has seen a, a pretty big decrease. Uh, $15 million is the proposal for 2020. That would be down from about $28.5 million for 2019. And then the other one that is the Federal Citizen Services Fund that, that – incorporated the e-government fund. We can go back all the way to uh, the, the early 2000s on that. And they received about $53.4 million as the proposed money for the uh, Federal Citizen Services Fund. And what's interesting about that, Tom, just one last thing is 
the Congress specifically calls out that of that $53.4 million, $5 million of that should go toward the implementation of the Foundations for Evidence-Based Policymaking Act, which is recently the new open data bill that, that Congress passed and President Trump signed into law. All right. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller and Nicole Agrisco. And the same committee has jurisdiction over the Office of Personnel Management very much in play, given the administration's plans. Nicole, what is the committee's take for 2020 on the OPM merger with the General Services Administration? Well, they don't want it to happen. And that's based on language that essentially says we reject the proposed merger, at least at this time. And that's because, at least for now, they don't have enough information, they've said, to go forward with this proposed merger It's interesting, I think, that we finally get a number, at least on what House Democrats think should happen with OPM. They would like to increase funding for OPM by $43.4 million in 2020. And that's pretty significant. One, because OPM hasn't really received many big bumps in funding, at least in appropriations in recent years. And two, because the administration has said that OPM faces a $70 million shortfall because the background investigation business is moving out of OPM and to DOD by by October 1st. So this at least starts to show what the Democrats think should happen with OPM, at least in 2020. Yes, the administration took the revenue away by moving the National Background Investigation Bureau to DOD and then said, look, there's not enough money to run OPM. So they kind of reported with alarm on a situation the administration itself essentially created. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, you know, it'll also be interesting to see, again, what the Senate is thinking with this particular proposal and, you know, what exactly some more budget numbers might come out of the Trump administration in the next couple of weeks. It's unclear if this 43.4 would bring, you know, OPM whole, essentially, without the $70 million from the background investigations. A lot more to come, I think, with this one. Wow, this is a packed one. And Jason, you found some interesting provisions on memos and executive orders, which is the way the country seems to be governed back and forth in the past 10, 12 years. What are lawmakers asking the Office of Management and Budget to do? One of the things that stood out to me as I searched through this bill, and it's not very long. I think, I think Nicole, was at 120 pages, 140 Something pages? Something like that, yeah. It was not overwhelming by any means. But there's there's always these interesting provisions on the back end. You got to read the the general government provisions. It's and all fine print. You just got to read the end of the fine print. Basically, yes, because you know the numbers are all just just uh, pie in the sky in many regards. But what the uh, what the lawmakers are asking from OMB and really the executive office of the president is that for any memo issued or any executive order issued or any of them revoked. Uh, OMB should uh, submit a written statement to Congress that looks at the budgetary impact, including costs, benefits, and revenues. Um, They should also include a narrative summary of the budgetary impact. They should look at mandatory and discretionary obligations and outlays over a five-year period. And they should uh, look at what's the impact on the revenue of the federal government from this executive order and or memo. And I think that while it's unclear because there's no report yet to, to really understand the thinking, but if you read maybe between the lines a little bit, Tom, I think what you're seeing here is that there's a frustration with the president using executive orders, using memos, and I think not just from this president, but previous ones as well, to kind of govern and go around Congress. And, of course, we can point to the border wall. We can point to some of the other areas that are very controversial with this administration. But really, as they kind of make decisions and as they put in policy, that has a long tail effect on 
the spending on the outlays on the revenues. Nicole? I would also add, as far as interesting provisions, there's one that says that agencies have to agree, mutually agree with unions to implement or enforce collective bargaining agreements. This is all because of past experience that AFGE and NTEU have been having with agencies like Health and Human Services Department, Education Department, et cetera, where they're just enforcing articles and the unions haven't necessarily agreed to them. And basically, this bill is just the opening salvo and what's going to be a pretty long battle. I think so. Yeah, Tom, I think we have plenty to, to watch for over the next couple of months throughout the summer and see where this gets to. Remember, October 1st, not that far away. Sure isn't. Federal News Network's Jason Miller and Nicole Grisco, thank you both. My pleasure, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Check out our coverage of this and all budget issues at federalnewsnetwork.com. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.